I just want to welcome everyone if you're tuning in this morning for the first time. I'm Pastor Troy, and right here to my left is uh, Pastor Alex Hill. Amen. And uh, we're here with uh, Raven Ministries International, uh, bringing the online version of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And we've been focusing on the book of Romans. And uh, uh, we, this is our, I guess our third morning. Our third morning. morning. We're, yes. we're here every single, been here every single morning. We'll have the schedule actually up on our blog at www ravenoutreach.blogspot.com and give our specific schedule in the days that we'll be here uh, and primarily be when we're not on the road traveling ministering somewhere but uh, other than that we'll be right here bringing the word of God and so uh, this is like I said this is our third installment and if you came in late you're, you're, you're right on time because we're still right there in, the, in, in Romans 1.1 we talked about kind of the basis for it and that the scripture was given by inspiration of God, that it's God-breathed. And so what we've been doing is just taking to this. But before we get started, Pastor Alex, just, just pray. You know, guys, the, the Word says that the, the, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide into all truth. And when you know the truth, the truth is what makes you free. Amen. But i got to admit, prior to, to coming to Christ, and really prior to receiving the, the infilling of the Spirit of God in my life, Man, it was just words on a printed page. Right. But once I came to Christ Jesus, brother, and, and the Word, uh, the, the Holy Spirit came into my life, man, it was just like the Word got opened up to me. Right. And so we really, we're totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And so today we just want to pray, and I'm going to ask Pastor Alex to lead us in prayer, that the Holy Spirit will come and He'll lead us in, and guide us into all truth. That He'll give us the wisdom to, to be able to, to search, as we talked about yesterday out of Ephesians, the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus. Amen. And we'll be able to put the, the shovel to the, the, to the ground and begin to dig out those nuggets that God has for us. Just pray that we'll have wisdom here and that those that are joining us from all over the country and, and abroad uh, will have just the wisdom to... Uh, to dig into the Word and to really receive it into their spirit today. Amen. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you, God, as men and women across the country, Lord God, and, and possibly even around the world this morning, Lord, that desire to know your Word, God, greater than we ever have. We know that we are living in the last days, and we know that we have to have wisdom, Lord God. The Bible says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So, God, we're asking this morning, we're asking for you to open up our understanding. God, you said to the disciples, it was given unto you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. Now, Lord God, give us the understanding and reveal to us the mysteries of the kingdom. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit will begin to open their eyes, Lord God. I pray, God, that this morning if there be any hindrance, if there be any distractions, Lord God, if there be anything, Lord God, that will try to keep the Word of God from being planted deep in us, Lord, that those, those things would be cast down, Lord God. I rebuke the adversary, Lord God, the devil himself, Lord, for trying to keep the saints of God from being under and uneducated, Lord God, in the Word of God. So I pray this morning that there would be a fire that would be ignited by Your Word, God. That it will be more than just words on a, on a paper, Lord God. That it will become life, Lord God, to be that God-breathed. I pray that we would get that breath this morning of Your power, of Your anointing, of Your breath, Lord God. Just let us intake of You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, one thing I want to I know, uh, Minister uh, Steve Ignowski is uh, recording these things for us in MP3 format. And every single afternoon, he sends me a link to that, and I'll upload that and put it on the uh, availability on our blog spot. And so if you've, you haven't been with us the last couple mornings and you want to kind of play catch-up, you can go on and you can download that onto your computer, and you can listen to it, or you can listen to it right there on the screen. So we appreciate Steve doing that for us and just making that available. And also we'll mention that we'll, we'll try to burn those on disk, 
And so as we get further into this, maybe every after every chapter we'll make those things available. Somebody wants to email us at raven at biggrace.com. We'll send you a copy of those discs so you can listen to those in your car, at your leisure, wherever you're at to, to have that. And so this morning we want to uh, really get right into Romans 1.1. So I'm sure you have your Bibles with you this morning. And um, I just want to read that to you, then we're going to... Uh, get into that a little bit deeper and get into a few more verses of Scripture as well. But it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. And as Pastor Alex, as I mentioned yesterday morning, the, 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 whole, the whole sum of the, 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 of the Roman letter, this doctrinal book of Romans, is tied up in that. From the, from the time that he says Paul, he's serving notice that he's a new creature because Paul used to be Saul of Tarsus. And he's saying, listen, if, if God can change me, the one that... that the committed murder, the one that that, that was a, 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 the enemy of the cross. God can change me and use me to establish this. Man, He can use anybody. Amen. And so each one of us, I know in our lives, I know in mine in particular, you know, Paul talks about the chiefest of sinners. I, I know where my heart was prior to Christ Jesus. I know who I was. And so when I just open that up and I see it, hey, he's, he's, he's saying right off the bat, Paul. And so then he goes in and says he's a servant of Jesus Christ, and that's going to be our, our focus this morning. But if you didn't, if you were taking notes yesterday, you know that we kind of broke this first verse down into five equal parts, and it's uh, those parts, and each one is, is really important. It's, it's Paul is the first one, the second one is a servant of Jesus Christ, thirdly called to be an apostle, fourth separated, and fifth the gospel of God. And so, uh, if you didn't put that in your notes, it's Paul, a servant of Christ. You can just get that right out of that scripture. Each one of those things is, is really a facet of, of what it's all about. And we really focused uh, primarily yesterday on, on why, why it was so important about Paul uh, uh, establishing who he was and uh, how he was kind of contrasted with the Saul of the Old Testament in King Saul. But to, today, and I kind of briefly touched on this yesterday morning, we want to look at the, the next thing. It says that he was a servant of Christ Jesus. And, and a couple of scriptures I shared yesterday are, are worth repeating this morning that kind of brings some of you guys up to, uh, to, 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 to the level where everyone else is and understanding. Paul, Paul was labeling himself. Here he is. He's, he's establishing the first epistle, the Magna Carta, literally, of the, of the New Testament. And he's saying, listen, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm Paul. And so I'm, I'm somebody whose life has been changed. But I come to you not as, as somebody that's elevating themselves to a, to a high place or expecting notoriety. or I'm not even identifying myself as a clergy person or, or, or some type of religious hierarchy. Huh. But he said, I'm coming to you as a, as a servant. He says, I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, it, is, so, it, it is so important for, for us to have that because it refers to somebody that is entirely owned or the property of someone else. That he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not who it is. But think about what Jesus said, Pastor. He said, whoever will be chief among you must be the servant of all. He's got to be, the, he's got to be a servant. Yeah. And so if, you, if you're there with us this morning and you have a desire towards ministry or, or you think God has got, you know, people say, you know, you've got a call on your life. Get ready to serve. I mean, get ready to work. Get ready to uh, to get dirty. Get ready to not uh, get much sleep. Because to, to 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 be a follower of Christ and to be a minister of the gospel is to be a servant. Is to be a bond slave. To 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 give yourself fully and completely to Him. Now think about this. First uh, Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. First Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. He says, "Why?" He said, "Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you?" And he said, which uh, you have of God. And he said, you're not your own. That you don't belong to yourself. He said, for you are bought with a price. He said, therefore, as a result of being bought with a price, he said, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. 
And so we said here today as ministers of the mm-hmm. new covenant. We said it we said here as ambassadors for Christ Jesus. We said here as as, as ministers of reconciliation. And, and all those are good titles. But at the end of the day, brother, servants. We're we're just servant. You know, servant. blessed is that servant who when the master finds him so doing. Amen. And so we've got to learn to serve if we want to be greatest in the kingdom. And to be greatest in the kingdom doesn't mean, you know what, man, I'm going to be there telling somebody else what to do. You mean that's not having your name in lights or on a billboard or Absol- something? Absolutely not. Okay. And there's only going to be one calling the shots in his kingdom, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. But Amen. to be greatest in the kingdom is the one that, that grabs the hold of the heart and the, the, the whole mm-hmm. essence of the ministry of Jesus. And so if we're going to do that, we've got to become the servant of all. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. But something has slipped into the, to the church, and there's this... Uh, untouchable thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm a minister. I, Don't get near me. Right. I can't have a relationship with, with 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 just a common person. And it always becomes. Let me get to this position of strength and speak into your position of weakness, brother. I tell you what, he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's right. And he says, not many noble men, not many mighty are called, but he uses those things that are that are weak, those things that are foolish, to to do great and mighty exploits for the kingdom Amen. of heaven. And so Paul was establishing right after that. Listen, I am a servant. And he said this. He said in Second Corinthians. 4, 5, 2 Corinthians 4, 5. He said, We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. And so when we preach, man, we're not preaching about ourselves. We're not preaching about Raven Ministries. We're not preaching about anything we accomplish. We're preaching about Jesus Christ, and we have the benefit and the privilege through faith in Jesus to be His servants. Amen. So Paul is establishing the doctrinal position, Pastor. He's saying, listen, I'm changed in Christ Jesus. I've been transformed. He said, but I've been, been transformed to, to, to have some untouchable position. He said, I've not been transformed to be, to be some super uh, spiritual person on a billboard. He said, I've been transformed to be a servant of all. To be a servant. And, so, uh, and, 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 I, and I mentioned this yesterday that, that a long time ago the Lord spoke to me and He said, it's not enough to be evangelistic that you've got to be altruistic. You've got to be yeah. willing to, to live your life for the benefit <clears throat> of other people. And when you, when you do that, you, you, you really learn the whole servanthood of Jesus. But when Paul refers to himself as a servant, he uses the word, and here's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to put this on my screen so you can have this Greek doulos. word. It's the word doulos. And so we, we've got to develop a doulos ministry. And you can put that, that you know, and, and have that, and you can do some study on, that, on yourself and search that out. But it literally speaks of a person born into slavery and, and whose bonds of servitude are such that the only thing that can break them is death. And so Paul was saying, listen, I, I was born into slavery. I was born again into a place and the only thing that can, in, can break that is not a bad experience, what? <laughs> a, a disappointment, mm. or getting mad at the preacher, or having somebody not say hi to me, or, 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 or as people say, well, I'm just not getting fed or discontentment. But he said, listen, when I bought into this thing, when I gave myself, when I was bought by the blood of Jesus, he said, something happened. He said, I, I gave my whole life. I signed title deed and ownership. We mentioned yesterday out of Acts chapter 2 where it says, the time will come when whosoever will call upon the name of the yes. Lord shall be saved. Yes. And we can talk about what it means to call. And it's not simply just saying, oh, Jesus, you know, right. because everybody that would use His name in vain or whatever would have... But to call literally means to surrender title, deed, and ownership of your life to Him. The scripture comes to my mind is when Jesus said this. He said, If any man puts his hand to the plow and looks back, is not worthy mm. of the kingdom of heaven. That's right. 
And so a servant, and what's a plow? Yeah, it's, it's work. work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he didn't say whoever puts his hand to the, to the golden scepter. <laughs> but yeah. he says, guys, listen, you're going to plow and plow. I've done some plowing in my life, yeah. hand plowing for my grandfather, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of work. And it's not a thing where you look back and say, you know what, man, I've got I to gotta find an easier way to go. Right. Because then we aren't heart worthy. And so, as, as, a, as a servant of Christ, we've literally given ourselves over. But, but think about this. Uh, this isn't some type of temporary servanthood. Mm-hmm. Because I know people, and, and having pastored for years and years, and been a, been a church planner and, and, and serving in, in Christian leadership, there's a lot of people that will say, okay, I'm going I'm to do this for just a little while. And, you know, but, but when they get tired or when, they, when things don't work out there, they don't get the same type of uh, experience out of it they want. Then what do they certainly do? Suddenly do they abandon it? They abandon it, yeah, and they justify it, right? And they say, you know what? Well, you know what? God's just taking me in another direction, <laughs> or and it's all these real good spiritual cliches, right. but that don't hold a, 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 an ounce of water. Mm-hmm. You know, I know for myself, and, and knowing you, and, and having raised you up in the gospel, and discipling you, and, and seeing you just grow in, in 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 the wisdom of God. You know, when we bought into this thing, or it was bought into us, we don't have any choices. Our choices have been made for us. He said, go into the world and preach the gospel. Those that, that repent and are baptized are going to be saved. Those that don't are damned. Now, where's the discussion? He said, go into all the world. I hear people all the time saying, well, I need to pray and get the will of God. Well, I know what the will of God is. Yeah. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I mean, what's so hard or confusing about that? And so, he, he said, and I love this out of in the book of Acts. He says, and this is being a servant. He said, you'll receive power, the dunamis. You'll have the dunamis to be the doulos. Yeah. He said, when the, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, to be a witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. And so what he's saying is, listen, I'm going to empower you yeah. to be a servant, to go preach the gospel in Judea. That's your local area. Then I'll take you a little further, Samaria. All these uttermost parts of the world. And so what he's, what he's saying is, listen, I don't care where you're going because I'm sending you everywhere anyhow. Yeah. And so he's empowering us to go to those places to do things that take us beyond the limitations of where we're at, beyond the limitations of our religiosity, of our fears. And he says, listen, I just want you to be a servant. And if I say go, you go. If I say do, you do. do. If I say preach, you preach. If I say sing, if I say pray, you just do what I've I've told you to do. There's no options in that, is there? No. And so it's not just this little feel-good type of servanthood. But he said, I'm Paul... And he said, I am a servant. I am a doulos of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a bond servant. And so it's somebody that's literally, and you can write this down, a, a, a doulos servant. That's what we want to be. That's what we want to endeavor to be. I want to be a doulos servant. And it's to be somebody who, is, who has given up all of his own interest, all of his dreams, all of his ambitions, all of his plans, and all of his wills. It's, it's, it's somebody that's abandoned the right to make any decision for themselves regardless of how menial that it might appear to be. <laughs> that's tough. You mean, think about that. Yeah. It's saying, you know what? My decisions have been made for me. That, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, God, what do I want to do? But think about what Jesus said. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, and art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Will be Whose done. will be done? Your will be done. Did he say my will be done? Mm-hmm, no. He said thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because I guarantee, you know, we're, we're called to be kings and priests, but we're called to be servant kings and servant priests. Those that will lay down their life. And Jesus gave that exact uh, uh, example when he came and he dwelt among us. And so, guys, when we're born, we're born just like Paul was. 
We are born as total bondservants to sin. That we were born into this thing because we were born dead in the trespasses of sin. And, 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 and everything about the way we were born to, uh, just determines our course of life. We, uh, sin is what will motivate us. Sin is, is, is everything that, 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 that we do. It's, it's, it's what uh, uh, holds on to us. But the only way that we can get broken from that is through death. I mean, think about that. The do wow, I like this. Yeah, you hear what I'm saying. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And so the only way we can ha- we can get broken from the from our original bond servant because we're born as servants, we're born right. as slaves to sin. Mm. But the only thing that's going to break that is death. Is death. Now, mm-hmm. now what does that mean? How, how do you how do you die? <laughs> you die <laughs> to be yourself. born again, and wow. you have to die to yourself. And so we're we're born or enslaved to that old sin nature. And when we come to Jesus, those chains of bondage are, are loosed, and then we're found ourselves. Bound to another, right? And so you see people in in, in Christianity in the last uh, century, especially. Uh, you know, we haven't seen it in the last century, but in, in my forty years of life, there's been such a digression. And so it, it's it's less about being a servant, and it's more about being in charge. Wow! How can I be in charge? How can I tell Jesus what to do? How can uh, I find the the least common denominator? How can I do as little as possible and expect the most? How can I have my best life now? Oh, man. You know, I'm not looking for my best life now. I'm looking to deny myself today, take up my cross, and be an imitator of Christ Jesus, who was a servant, who thought it not robbery to be made a lower, a little bit lower than the angels. And so if I'm going to take that nature and that attitude upon me, it's got to be the attitude of a servant, just like he was. And so he said we've got to break free from that. The, but the only way we break free from that servanthood is through death. Now, now check this out. And this is breaking free from that bondage of the old master's sin. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15.31. 1 Corinthians 15.31. He says this. He says, I die every day. He said, I mean that, brothers. I mean, this is, this is a different translation. He said, he said, just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus. He said, guys, listen, I want to tell you something. I, I haven't arrived. He said, I have to die every, every day. single day. And so for us, if we want to be a servant, you've got to tell you, and I know probably today with, the, with the, 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 the people that we have, listen, you're just like we are. You've got to get up every single day and there is a battle for your affections. There's a battle for your attention. There's a battle for your life. There's a battle saying, who are you going to serve? Who's going to be the one that you serve? And you've got to, you've got to kill that old man. You've got to kill that sin nature, that one that would rise up and say, listen, you're going to serve me. And in that, the, the, what you might have to kill is, is laziness. It might be indifference. It might be a lack of compassion. It might be a, a lack of prayer. It may be a lack of, of getting into the study of the Word mm. or being willing to tell somebody else. But I've got, to tell, I've got to speak to my flesh. I've got to speak to that old man. And I've got to crucify him. I've got to put to death the ways of the flesh on a daily basis. Otherwise, what are they going to do? They're going to try to run roughshod yeah. over me. They try to they try to make you be their servant again, mm-hmm. your, own, your own flesh, and it's a tough battle. Now, now I want to make this statement: is that you cannot live in the world or after the world and claim to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. There is no compatibility of the two. He says that the friend of the world is, enemy. is the enemy of God, and, and but there's been such a push in Christianity; it's almost like, and I mentioned this in our in, in our in our first uh, class. Was that you know we talk about that Christianity has almost adopted this separation of church and state, but I, I made the point is what are they, why are they trying to separate themselves from a state that they look just like? 
Because the condition of the church is not unlike the condition of our nation. Right. And as righteousness exalts a people and lifts you up in due season, righteousness is what exalts a nation as well. And so the church of the, the of Christendom that claims to know Christ Jesus has adopted so many of the things of the world. We've, we've, we've looked like the world, we've acted like the world, and we think, okay, if we become more worldly... Yeah. Now think about that. Right. If we can become more worldly, we can reach the world. We'll attract the world. Yeah, they say. Why would the world want something to look just like them? Right. You know, they've already got that. Right. And so let's, let's be attractive in, in, in the way that we, we, we act or the, the way that we perceive things. And so let's just dumb everything down, dilute everything down into this, as I've always said, a palatable pastel pink. They don't attract the world. They attract the lukewarm Christian. Exactly. And, it's, and it begins to stink yeah. because it's not fresh and it's rotten. Yeah. And all you're going to attract is the, the flies of sin. <laughs> and, wow. and it's not going to attract the, the life of Christ Jesus. You know, Luke six thirteen says that, that no one can serve two masters, or no one can be a servant. No one can be the doulos, the bond slave to two masters. It says he'll hate one and love the other, or else he'll hold or love the one and despise the other. And so, if if you think that you can serve two masters, that was the indictment of the, of the church at Laodicea. Mm-hmm. What did he tell them? He said, "You're you're neither hot nor cold. cold." He said, "But as a result of being lukewarm, he said, I'll spew you out of my mouth." And so, if, if, we're, we're, if we try to adopt that Laodicean attitude of, of being lukewarm or being a friend of the world and the friend of God, the, 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 the fruit of that is going to be He's going to vomit us out of His mouth. Right. He's going to reject us on that day before Him. I love this. One of my, this has been one of my favorite scriptures since I got saved. It's Galatians 2.20. Paul preaching to the church of Galatia. And he said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He said, but not I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live. He said, I have a life now. He said, I live. He said, it's in the natural manner, it's in the flesh. He said, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. me. Or who, who bought me from the auction block of sin. Who paid the penalty for me and, and, and claimed me from, from death, hell, and destruction. And, but I've been crucified. I die to myself daily. Listen up, brothers, as he, yeah. as he, as he, as he told, the, uh, told the, the, the first Corinthian church. He said, I've got to die every single day. And he said, but as a result of me dying, I get to live. And what, what Jesus said, if any man desires to be my disciple, he's he got to deny, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. Now, what's a cross? Instrument of death. <laughs> it's an, yeah, it, it's not a, a nice little golden pendant that we hang around our neck. Yeah. But, but even look at that, Pastor, and we've seen it. We, you and I have talked about this. How this, Let's reduce the impact of the cross to no longer make it an instrument of death. Yeah, but let's make it just some little bangle or some little uh, charm that we hang around a gold chain. Now, can you imagine somebody walking down the the street with a with a with a noose around their neck? Really? What would people say to them? Man, you're stupid. That's yeah. gonna, that's going to kill you. Right? Or somebody walking down the street with a with an electric chair. <laughs> or somebody walking a down. Bomb. Yeah, a bomb around their neck or whatever. Some, something that's an instrument of death or, or execution. Yeah. And so once the cross became reduced to that, and it, it become the seduction of Christianity, it became the reduction of Christianity. Mm. So let's reduce the cross. Let's reduce that instrument of something that's going to demand your death. Right. Now, when the, you, you pierce your ears, and I, I'm, I'm not being so legalistic that I have a problem with that, but what my problem is when it ceases to be the, 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 the sign or the, the instrument of death and a representation of what Jesus did. Instead, how many people have we seen walking down the streets drunk with beers in their hand? Big old cross. they got this gigantic big bling cross. Yeah. 
You know, you see all these one of the gangster rappers and these people, and it's cool. They get this this big log chain around their neck, and they get a, a cross. Man, we we stop those guys playing in the tracks. You know, I remember I was in New York City a number of years back. Matter of fact, I think it was my first trip to minister in New York City, and there were some guys playing basketball right there in, in near one of the projects, and I, and I saw a guy out there playing that had a cross around his neck, cross chain, and he was a great basketball player. But and I, I just kind of got enthralled in the in the whole athletic. Pass it up, and I was just standing by the fence. But when he began to walk off the court, that cross caught my eye. And so I just walked right out of the court in New York City on the basketball court, and I said, Hey, what does that mean to you? And he's like, What? And I said, That cross around your neck. And I said, Because it means a lot to me. And I began to give him the gospel of the cross. And I, and I told him, I said, Listen, are you going to be bold? You're bold enough to come out here with your buddies and play basketball. And I said, And wear that around your neck. I said, But are you bold enough to drop down on your knees? And ask Jesus to come into your life. And Pastor, literally before I could get that last part of that out of my mouth, he had dropped down on his knees and he was asking Jesus to come into his life. Why? Because I brought the reality of that cross back to that place, to to that place of I've got to die so that I might have Christ Jesus. So just just those two points that we were talking about. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul, one that has... has, has Paul, the the one that uh, is... Is, is been transformed just even by his name. His name got changed. Who he was got changed. And of Jesus Christ, it literally encapsulates the whole message of the gospel. It's 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 just that it's a puff of the breath of God. But but as a puff, what is it? It's the thing that begins to start, that begins to fill our lungs, begins mm. to to fill our heart. And it ought to be the thing that, that that says, "I want more of the breath of God. I want God to breathe upon my life, and I want I want that that message to transcend any other message that could be offered by my sin nature or who I was a servant to before." So Paul or could say this. He says, "You know, I was dead in the trespasses of my sins, but God changed me." So when we when we look at those just those first two parts of of, of Romans one one. We, we read it and we say, Paul is servant of Jesus Christ. But when the Word gets into you and you begin to dig into those deeper things, here's what it, here's what it should say to our heart. He says, Paul, I was dead in the trespasses of my sin, but God changed who, saw, who I was so that I could be a servant or I could be identified with Him for eternity, that He will be the, the author and the finisher of my faith and I will never have to be concerned with my life because it is in Him that we, we have everything and He'll cause everything to work together for my good because I love Him and I'm now called according to His purpose. Wow. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Wow. And so, boom, just right off the bat, he's, he's given us that message and, and we get to, to find just how much, uh, uh, how important the, 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 the Roman doctrine is that he gives us. And so the next part, we're going to move right along. He said, Paul, a servant of, of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. More accurately, probably in the English, he was saying a called apostle. Mm. Not called to be an apostle, but he's identifying himself in the now. He said, my name is Paul, changed and transformed. I'm the doulos that I've given. I'm, I'm a servant. I'm a bond servant. I've, my decisions have been made for me. Everything that I do is based upon what God has said and not my own flesh. He said, but I'm telling you, I'm identifying, I'm telling you that I'm a called apostle. That God has called me. That I'm not called to be. It's not something I'm going to be. We were talking about last night. You got these people. One, the one day ministry. One day ministry. One day I'm going to do this. Yeah. One day I'm going to preach the gospel. One day I'm going to win someone. Paul brings it all current. Yeah. He says I'm not called to be something. He said. He says look. Look at me. Listen to what I'm telling you. He said right now when I speak to you, I'm speaking as a changed, transformed servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who is called out 
for this thing. And so that word called is the Greek word keltos. And I'll write that down. K-E-L-T-O-S. Keltos. It's the Greek word keltos. And it literally means this. It means called to an office and divinely appointed and selected to fill it. Called to an office and how? Divinely called or appointed and selected to fill it. In other words, he was saying this. He was saying, he said, I didn't, I didn't choose this for myself. Right. This wasn't what I chose. He said, the task was chosen for me by the one that I'm a servant to. Amen. And so, Pastor, you said here today as a, as a minister of the gospel, as a preacher of the word of God. Mm-hmm. Now, it wasn't your choice. No. The choice was made for you. Right. He said, this is what I want to do. Your choice came to the point where I'm either going to do it. Yeah. Either be obedient to the calling or not. Or I'm going to be in rebellion. Right. In rebellion like this, uh, the, the sin of witchcraft. How many times have you told me that uh, the people have asked me something? And I said, well, here's what you, you want to do and here's what you ought to do. Or not. Or not. Yeah. And, and Paul's testimony could have been, man, God called me to be an apostle, a servant, but I didn't do it. Yeah. Now, how many of you have lived in regret? And I think so many other people have. They've lived in regret of the things that God called them long, long ago to do, and they haven't done it. And so it's always like, man, I wish I would have. I could have done it. I've witnessed to, to tons of people over the years that you're witnessing to them that's saying, you know what, I know I should be yeah. right where you're at. Well, well, why aren't you doing it then? Right. Well, because of this. Well, brother, that's in your past. But right. what are you doing right now? Are, are you called to be... Or are you a called one? Right. Many are chosen, but, but, but many are called, but few are chosen. Mm-hmm. Have you moved from that place of I'm being called out to that place that I'm being called to it, and now I've done it. God has chosen me because I've said yes to what He's told me to do. And so, you know, think about it. We always talk about We talked about Queen Esther and Mordecai. And he tells her, he said, he said you've been called to the kingdom for a time such as this. Right. Or, or, or you've been selected or been given an assignment that, that, that you've been divinely designed for. That God said, listen, I, I created you in your mother's womb. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and there's components, there's things that I've brought into your character and things that I've transformed you uh, in through faith in Jesus Christ that, that you've been divinely called or appointed to a particular place. Now guys, I want to I say this. And I want you to write this down if you're taking, uh, taking notes. He said, it's, it's the key definition of that word appointed. He says... He says, I am a... I'm going to go back and read that. Which was the Lord promised by Scripture, the Holy... Back, let me go back up. Called to be an, a, an, an apostle. And so it's literally to be appointed to an office that Keltos is. But that word appointed uh, is, is, is a lot different than being elected to something. And, and it, we really need to make that, that difference. To, to be appointed to something is to complete the unfulfilled term or duty that someone else had been elected to. Okay, I get that. You get that? Yeah. And so Paul says that when he, when he gives that, the, the Keltos calling, the, the Keltos uh, uh, being called out to be an apostle, is an appointment. He said, God has appointed me. There was, there was something unfulfilled. And so you have, we've seen this in politics, that a senator gets sick or someone dies that's in office. The, the person that's on top, the governor or the president, has the authority to appoint someone else to fulfill that unfulfilled term of office. Right. And so we've seen it. We lived in Texas. I think it was uh, George Bush won the presidential election his first term while he was still governor of Texas. And so there was an appointment made that appointed another man. I can't remember who it was now. Appointed another man to Hornberry. fulfill. No, it wasn't. No, I don't know who it was. <laughs> but it appointed another man to fill that office. And so, guys, we, we're appointed 
to fulfill something else of someone else that is elected to. And think about it. Jesus came to do what? To seek, seek and, and to save, save that which was lost. Right. Now, Jesus' ministry wrapped up on earth in about three and a half years. Right. But did that mean that it was fulfilled? No. You know, it was the redemptive work was finished upon the cross. Right. But going into all the world and preaching the gospel, that was a term of office. That was a responsibility that was yet to be fulfilled. And so when, when the Lord Jesus came to you and He said, Listen, He said, I've got something for you to do. He said, I want you to go and I want you to take that place that I had before. And it, 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 So we've been given that, that mandate or that appointment to finish the work begin by Jesus Christ. And think about it. He said, the things that I do, you'll you do, do also. Yeah. Because I go to be with the Father. He said, so the example that I set as a servant, Jesus first, Paul secondly, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Or be an imitator of me as I imitate Him. He said, listen, you, you've been called out with that, that doulos, but you've been given the keltos. Mm. You've been called a bondservant, but you've been appointed to finish something that had already been started. Right. And so... Every single one of us, we're coming in like on the heels of something. You know, uh, uh, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. There's something that, 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 that everything, we're just a continuation of those things. So we sit here today as the continuation of the things that God has. And so, the, uh, the word apostle, he said, so I'm, 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 I'm called out, or I'm, I'm, I'm called to be an apostle, I'm appointed to be an apostle, is literally one cent on a commission. And so we look at Mark 16 and we call it the Great Commission. And so to be an apostle is one that is, is literally is one that is sent out on a commission. And it's a noun used of an envoy or an ambassador that is given the credentials and the authority to speak on behalf of someone else. So let me ask you something. Uh, appointed compared to election. Election is when somebody, when other people choose you instead of... Would, would that be an accurate... Yeah, absolutely. So somebody else would choose you. And doesn't that happen a lot of times in the church where somebody says, you know what, we're going to choose you as a pastor and they never were called to be a pastor yep. or an apostle or whatever the deal is. Other men made the decision instead of God divinely putting it on them. So that would be the difference between appointment and election, right? Yeah, and, and, and really you say that because in verse 2 when we get there, it deal with that specifically. Mm. And, and, and really that's what it is. You know, uh, to, to be elected... It means that you're going out and ga gathering votes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you think about yeah, it. Yeah, okay. You know, and so it, it means that I'm, I'm gathering the votes. And really, at the end of the day, you know, Jesus talks about making your calling and election sure. Mm -hmm. There's only one vote in heaven. Amen. And it's His. Amen. You know, He's not going to say, okay, hey, do you think we ought to let this guy in? That's the only vote. But what happens when what you're talking about, Pastor, and we talk about the difference between somebody being elected to an office or appointed to an office, that's the difference. It's saying, okay, let's get. Does that guy preach real good? Is that guy a good teacher? And if he is, the church gets together and say, okay, what about saying, listen, who does God want for this hour? Right. Who is God raising up? Maybe that person doesn't doesn't have the the gregarious personality. Maybe they're not uh, as refined as someone else. But maybe they're God's man. Amen. That's when I started uh, pastoring. I was uh, 24 years old. Had preached in a pulpit one time. <laughs> was wow. raw. Was green. Uh, was just a, a young married guy with, with, with one child and one on the way. And if somebody would have looked at my credentials or my experience, there's no way I would have done it. There's no way I would have went into the church that I did and took it and now I've been preaching for many years, planted church, preached all around the world. There's no way I would have done it if, if I would have had to have, have lobbied for my election. But when God appointed me to step into that place that was yet unfulfilled, within that, that vision, within that directive that he had established in his word, 
it, it made it easy. Mm-hmm. And so as what it did for me was then I never had to worry about winning over someone's popularity. Yeah. I didn't have to have to be a yes man and say, oh, I better not say that. I better not do that. Because from the very beginning in my life in ministry, my doulos, my servanthood, man, I, I, was, I was nailed to Him. I was crucified with Christ Jesus. And so as a result of that, I was just able to go and do the things that God has. And so here's what he said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. He said, He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. He gave, he gave some apostles, mm-hmm. some evangelists, some prophets, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints. To do what? To equip the saints. For? The work of the ministry. And what is the work of the ministry? The gospel, which is to go and tell the to world. seek and to save yeah. that which was lost. You going to say something? No. Okay. Uh, I believe that the, the, the original... We talk about apostles. I believe that the original apostles had a very unique responsibility. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that those 12 were set apart and there, there was not 12 like them afterwards that were given that responsibility for, for the church. But, but I do not believe that the office of apostle ended with the death of, right. of John on the Isle of Patmos by no means because I believe that you see others. I believe that, that, that Timothy is identified in that apostolic type of office. But I believe it's, it's a... It's a different type of thing. It's it's called out and commissioned, but it, but it's 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 not like one of the twelve. You know those. You know we can look in the book of Revelation. And we talk about those twelve that there's a stone with their name. God selected them. Those were his right his disciples. Those were his apostles for that primary thing. But I, I believe what's happening, and the brother commented on the screen here that uh, that there's a bad representation of what an apostle is or, or what their responsibility is in this uh, this day and age. And, and I call it. And really, write this down in your notes. Uh, the, the three R's of the apostolic calling. The three R's. Of the, the three apostolic. R's of the apostolic calling. Number one, it's somebody that reveals. It's a person that God entrusts with a vision. And so, you, you can talk to people that, that claim to be an apostle. Open up any Christian magazine. It's apostle this, apostle that, and, and all that. A true apostle brother doesn't need to put that on their business card. Mm-mm. They don't need to identify <laughs> themselves. They don't need to shake their hand and say, I just want to let you know I'm an apostle. apostle. And, and that's, the, the, that's the, the, the only thing that they have. You know, Melly and I was talking about is if, there was, if you're ever accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I want to ask some of these guys, well, you claim to be an apostle. Is there enough evidence? Is there enough fruit uh, of the Scripture to convict you of, of having that apostolic type of calling? And so the, I call it the three R's of, of the apostolic calling. And number one, it reveals. And, and you might type that on the, the screen, Mel. And, and so it's one that brings forth vision. Yeah. And, and we know from the Word that where there is no vision, people perish. People perish. Right. And so as a result of that, and vision is getting, literally the biblical vision is getting the mind of Christ. And so the, the apostolic calling, it, it, it has the responsibility of constantly bringing people back to the mind of Christ. Right. Bringing people back to the doulos nature of mm. this calling. And so when there's the absence, brother, and you'll see this in churches. I've preached in churches literally from coast to coast and in other countries. When there's the absence of, that, of, a, of an apostolic uh, flavor within a church, and I don't mean specifically always in that church, right. but, an ap- but an apostolic office to speak into that church, church. Okay. there's typically the absence of the urgency of the message of Jesus. Yeah. I want to say that again. If you, if you have the absence of the apostolic voice, I'll say, or vision within a church, 
You have the absence of the message or the heart of Jesus for that church. Why, why is that? It, it's because they're the ones that carry that vision. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Another rendering of that where the people perish is the people are made silent. Mm. How can I help but preach this gospel? Don't have a vision for it. Right. And so it's always going to start from the top. From that happen, I've given some apostles. Right. He said. Uh, he said uh, upon the, the the law and the prophets. Upon he said I establish these things upon on those those primary elements. And it's the same way with with these offices. Upon the, that office of the apostle, everything else flows down from that. And so that vision has got to flow down. The, the vision to seek and save the lost. And so you may have a church that has a a great pastor. That's a guy that's a, such a nurture nurture. Yeah. It loves the people that's always there. Right. But unless there's an apostolic voice speaking into the vision of that church, right. there'll never be an urgency to reach beyond those walls. And you have to say a true apostolic voice. Uh, yeah, a true because, apostolic voice. Because there's a lot of people who claim to be apostles, they claim to give vision, but their vision is... Uh, well, it's not like, the vision of Jesus. Yeah, it's not the vision of Jesus, and it's all these programs or something else. To, right. And then and the church never prospers because of it. Well, what it is, the vision becomes to elevate themselves. Yeah. Rather than to elevate that word, Amen. or to ele- elevate the great commission, and to to decrease that he can increase. So the first R of the apostolic calling that he's talking about was uh, it brings forth vision, and the next R is it reproduces. Reproduces. It reveals, then it reproduces. It speaks forth the vision. I, t- I tell people, listen, I, I got a vision this big, right. but it, but it takes facilitating. The calling in other people's life to see the fulfillment of that. Right. You know, I believe that we ought to reach the nations. But brother, I can only be one place at one time. Right. And so I've got to reveal that message. I've got to reveal that vision to somebody else. Then I can reproduce. That second R of the apostolic calling is to reveal or, it, or reproduce. And it invests in other people. Right. And so when I reproduce, if there's an, if there's an apostolic calling like Paul's talking about right here, called to be an apostle, a, a God-called, ordained apostle, then I'm going to reproduce people that do the same thing that I'm doing. And as a result, they're doing the same thing that Jesus did. Paul was a follower of Christ. He was an imitator of Christ. Apostolic calling. So if the apostolic calling or the apostolic office or the apostolic voice, however you want to say it, is present within a church or a ministry, what's it going to do? It's going to continue that reproduction. Right. There's going to be the same spiritual DNA running through the, 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 the spiritual veins of that ministry. And that's going to be the urgency. That's what's going to be driving them right. in everything they do. And that should be the main drive, and it's not. Yeah, absolutely not. We, we yeah. see those things. What was the Barna survey years ago? It said 98% of professing Christians have never won someone to Jesus. Yeah. What, does that, what does that say to you? That pretty much every everybody that call, claims to be a Christian has never even uh, taken the gospel to someone else. But but who, who can we, we who can we really lay that upon the shoulders? We have to lay that on the the leaders of the churches, of the pastors or the apostles, so called apostles or whatever it is. They they don't speak that vision exactly, and so it really comes down to them becoming blind leaders of the blind. And, and here here it is. You, you kind of touched on this. Is when we have someone that, that claims to be something that they're not. And they get the they, they try to take and, and validate what they're saying by putting a title on their name, mm-hmm. but their but their message isn't uh, cohesive with that thing. Yeah, it changes up the flavor. 
Right. And so what becomes an apostle is just somebody that, 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 that has a high position or drives the nicest car or tells the most people what to do. Well, yeah, and somebody trying to be the head of it, just be the leader of, I want to be the big shot, so I'll and so what's he going to do? He's going to reproduce. Yeah. But he's going to reproduce that same attitude. Right. He's not going to reproduce the, 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 the doulos. Mm. Yeah. He's not going to reproduce the bond slaves because he doesn't speak or project that vision. You know, the Lord spoke to us out of the prophet Haggai and he said, take the vision, write it down, make it plain that those that read it can run with it. And so what does it take? It takes the, 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 the clarity of that vision to speak it forth and to begin to invest it in people, which I said brings us to the second R, reveals and reproduces. Or it causes a, a duplication of those things. You know, the word says in Matthew chapter 7, it says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom, but those right. that do the will of my Father. But it's prefaced in that and saying, you shall know a tree by its fruit. By its fruit. Mm-hmm. And that's the karpos fruit. That's the K-A-R-P-O-S would be the, Greek, uh, the English rendering of that Greek word. It's the karpos and it means reproductive fruit. You shall know a tree. And so you'll know an apostle by that the, type of tree yeah, by, the fruit by its fruit. It. Right. And so if he's not preaching a vision, if he's not bringing a revelation or revealing things, if he's not reproducing after the nature of Christ Jesus, the, who calls himself the chief apostle of our faith, Right. Think about that title on Jesus. Right. So you want an example of the, the apostle? Jesus is the apostle of our faith. Amen. He said, come and follow me and I'll make you a businessman. No. Come and follow me and I'll make you, a, 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 make you move in signs and wonders. He said, come and follow me and I'll, I'll make, make you fishers of, fishers of men. And so Jesus established that, that parameter of the apostolic office as the apostle of our faith. Paul followed in sequence to those things a called apostle out from God. And so he began to reproduce those things. And the third thing is, they reveal, they reproduce, but then they release. See, it's one thing. I know so many people that sit in churches, brother, that are so gifted. They know so much word. But there's a fear because there's no apostolic office of ever releasing those people. Right. You know, I've said, you know, if you've got people in your church that have just sat there for over five years, you have totally failed at what God has called you to do. We ought to be, we ought to be preaching revelation we ought to re- be reproducing after that kind and we ought to be releasing people into the harvest fields. Amen. If somebody says, listen, Pastor, man, I feel such a call. I feel God called to be an evangelist. Uh, that We ought to be saying, okay, how can I invest in you to reproduce the nature and the character of Christ through His Word, taking the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ that you can hold those things fast and how can I facilitate what you want to do? Mm-hmm. But see, what's happened in the church is saying, let me get all these people together to facilitate my vision. And so they'll never send anyone out because, man, if they send them out, that person's going to leave and so they won't have that, that check coming in every week. Or that big number amount of people they want in their church. Exactly. People that say, you know, I want, I want a mega church or I want a whatever thousand member church. So their vision is all about getting that many people inside of a building. That's it. Exactly. It's not in reaching the nation. We have a dear friend that, I, God bless his heart, that, you know, we, we were at a... a, a Church planning conference. Yeah. <laughs> and he's convinced. He said, yo, people just don't realize I'm a mega church pastor. He, he pastored a church for about 40 people at the time. Yeah. But he was convinced that there was a formula that he could get. And he said, I'm a mega church pastor. Well, he's probably sitting with the same 40 people to this day. I hadn't talked to him yeah. for a while. But he said, I can get a formula. Because he began to say, okay, my, my success or the accolades of other people are going to be determined by the number of people that I can gather. Right. But is that really a testimony for you or a testimony against you? It would be a testimony against you. We ought to be saying, listen, I, I, I was able to release 10,000 people into the mission field. Right. Rather than I'm able to get 10,000 people or 1,000 people to come together on a Sunday that need me to pump them up. Right. 
Man, when are we going to have the, the vision and the reproduction that, that people don't need us? Right. What, what, what have you heard me say? Our job is to work ourselves out of a out job. Of the job. Right. It is, to, is, is to equip people to the degree that they've got a handle on the Word, they've got a relationship with Jesus, they're seeking Him, they're getting that Word, that they're not having to come back to us and say, Pastor, fix me. Pastor, bless right. me. Pastor, encourage me. Get me that place. But there's something inside of them that is, gives them the I can't help it. That right. drives them to their knees. It causes them to, to search out the unrich, uh, unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus to, to dig deeper into the depths of God. But when we have that, then we can release people to go and to do those things that they've been called. So the three R's of it, Melly got it on the screen today, it's to, it's to reveal, it's to reproduce, and to release. And so he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and separated. So that fourth, uh, that fourth thing that, that, that we learn right there in that first verse is he said, I was separated. And to be separated from something is to be set off by distinguishable boundaries. Mm. And there's certain things that, that Paul had to do because of being separated the, uh, uh, by these God-breathed. And I want to say it, it was God-breathed boundaries. It wasn't some legalism or right. something someone else had established. But he said, okay, listen, because of, I'm, I'm a God-called apostle, because I'm a doulos, because I'm a bond slave and a servant to the things of God, he said, I've been separated. In other words, I can't, I can't do the things that I used to do right. because God has called me for a specific task and purpose. And these are boundaries that, that, were, that are unique to us as individuals. And sometimes it's hard for people to understand. Right. You know, Melly and I have talked for years. We'll celebrate 21 years of marriage. Our kids have never known anything. They grew up as with a with a dad in the ministry and, and, and mom and dad that were saved and, and serving Jesus. They never had to, to, to overcome an alcoholic family. They don't know anything right. else. And... Uh, but in our life, we've said to ourselves, you know, people talk about, well, I just want to have a normal life. Brother, in, with, with the doulos, with that servanthood to Jesus Christ, which I, I want to say this, which is the case for every believer. Mm-hmm. You know, not just us that, that preach the gospel. is a, a quote-unquote, some people call it vocation. I say preaching the gospel is not what I do. Yeah, it's who, it's who I am. Right. It doesn't. It's 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 not an activity. It's not a vocation. It's the outflow of who's into me. It's it's my exhalation. It's my breathing out Amen. what was breathed into me. Amen. And so, as ministers of the gospel, we've been separated. And when I say ministers of the gospel, I mean every Amen. single one of you yeah. that call Christ Jesus Lord. You've been separated for those things. The, and that definition is 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 some. It is to be set off by distinguishable. Boundaries or boundaries that can be seen is to be set apart by distinguishable boundaries, and so he gives us these these boundaries, and, and people just don't understand them sometimes. Right. And you know, and, and you know, Paul said something that, that, I, that I love. He said, you know, if it offends my brother for me to eat meat, I won't eat meat. Right. Now, whether it was meat or something else was immaterial. He said, because of the boundaries that God has established for me, right. if something that I am doing would cause a brother to stumble. God forbid that I do it. Right. Years years ago, and you'll probably remember this testimony, uh, uh, a cousin of mine was involved in some of this mixed martial arts full contact fighting. And he liked me to come and watch him. And I'd go, and it's like going and watching boxing or wrestling. But there was a brother in the church that, that told me, he said, Pastor, I just don't think it's right that you would go and, and watch those type of things. Mm-hmm. Now, did I argue with him? No. Did I say, well, you go to football games and they crash into each other? <laughs> no. I didn't do that at all. You know what I told him? I said, brother, you'll, you, you don't have to worry about me ever going back to one of those events again. Why was it? Was it because I felt convicted about being there? I didn't feel convicted about it at all. Mm-mm. It was a competition. I knew most of the guys uh, there. I actually wrestled with some of them in, in the past. and So I knew those guys. 
But because that God had established distinguishable boundaries, it wasn't about me. Right. It wasn't about if I could justify it. It was about if it was causing somebody else to stumble, if I was putting a stumbling block with someone, mm-hmm. in front of someone else, they're more important to me than what I do. Right. Or where I go or how I spend a couple hours of leisure time on a Friday night. And so when you're separated under the under those things for Christ Jesus, you've got to understand, guys, you, you know, you're uh, it's not some smorgasbord that you can come to. And so when God establishes his doctrine, he binds to those even the things that you may seem that are trivial or meaningless or menial. You've got to say, you know what, God, everything about my life is for you. That, that you've given me children to be a better servant to you. I've got a marriage to be a better servant to you. Everything that I do points me to that. If, if, if you're working in secular employment, I'm working in this employment to be of a greater benefit to the kingdom of God. I've been separated from those things. There's boundaries in my life. I, oh, I can't say that because of the boundaries. I can't do that because of the boundaries. Those things are distinguishable. And so the, the fifth thing of that, of that first verse and the final thing of verse 1 is he said, I've been separated under the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fifth thing, I've been separated under the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want, I want to go back and, and say those five real quick and I'm, then I'm going to talk about that. Uh, number one was Paul. Number two, a servant of Jesus Christ. Three, called to be an apostle. Four, separated. And five, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he, he said, I was, I was separated under that gospel of God or the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the question today I want to, I want to answer is, is, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? I think of the cross. Yeah, the gospel of Christ. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's that this... And here's what he was saying. He's saying that this, this gospel of, of God, this gospel of Jesus Christ, is, is, is. is what this new creature that's transformed from the one who's now living, I've been specifically set apart to preach this task. Mm. To, to give this thing. And so he, he called it the, the gospel of God or the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 14. 17 through 24. 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 24. As we study the book of Romans, you're going to notice that, that I'll go back into the Corinthian letters so many times. And I explained why just briefly yesterday. It's because when Paul wrote the book of Romans, he wrote it from Corinth. For Corinth, yeah. So he was, he was still living in, in, in Corinth when he wrote this, this letter to, to Romans, to, the Roman, uh, to Rome. And, the, and so a lot of what he wrote to Rome was based out of his experience in Corinth. Mm-hmm. And so if we want to understand the doctrines that were established in Romans, we, we can look at those things based upon the experience of this apostle in Corinth. Okay. And so he's saying, here's the issues. Now I'm, and then we go to Rome, we go to Romans, and we find the, the solution. And so if you're saying, okay, here's a problem in the church. What do I do? I can go to the book of Romans and get the doctrine. Here's, here's what someone is struggling with. Here's what he saw at Corinth that they were having difficulty with. And so I can come back and I can let this be my guide mm-hmm. on how to deal with those other things. Yeah. And so I, I go back to that and, and to, to kind of define where Paul was coming from because he was at Corinth when he wrote this. And so 1 Corinthians 1, 17-24, it says that Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, uh, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. What gospel? Called to preach the gospel. He said, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Just what he said. It's the cross. And so he's revealing what he meant meant by that in the Corinthian letter. Right. And so we got those things. We can start tying them together. And he said, said, for the preaching of the cross is to those that perish. It's foolishness. foolishness. But to us which are saved, it's the power of God. 
He said, it is written. Here's that word. He said, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise. And he said, I'll bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And in verse 20, he says, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? He said, is not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? In verse 21, he said, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom did not even know God. It said, so it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching, preaching what? The cross. Preaching the cross, the gospel, to save them that are willing to believe. For the Jew requires a sign. We said that Romans was written to the Jews, mm-hmm. uh, written to the Greeks, but it had a Jewish message in it because they were coming out. He said, so for the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. And so in the Roman letter, he's dealing with both of those, those parties. He said, but we cr- preach Christ crucified. He said, so he's called me to preach the gospel. He further defines it. He said that the gospel is Christ crucified. And he said, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. He said, but unto us which are called, both Jews and Greeks, he said, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And you can jump down to the next chapter, verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And, and he just continues this, this thought. And he says, brethren, he said, when I came to you, he said, I didn't come with excellency of speech. He said, I come in the doulos. He said, I come as a servant. He said, I, or he said, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom. He said, to declare to you the, the testimony of God. He said, for I'm determined. He said, there is a determination. Because I've been bought with a price and my life is not my own. Uh, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. crucified. He said, for not to know anything but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, this is not the, the, the gnosko, no, that, that speaks of an intimacy. And so we talk about somebody to know Him. And a lot of times we talk about the intimacy. We, we've mentioned that in, in Matthew 7 and Matthew 125 and Joseph did not know Mary. And so it's not the, the intimacy, the gnosko type of knowing, but rather it's the edo type of knowing, which speaks of fixing the mind and the eyes and the attention to something in an unwavering manner. Mm. And so he's saying, you know, listen, he said, I'm determined to, to fix every bit of my attention upon you. To set my affections, to set my mind, to think on those things that are pure, to right. think on those things that are righteous, to think on those things that are holy. And, to, and if, if anything tries to exalt itself against what I'm thinking, boom, I'm casting those imaginations down. I'm, 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 anything that would that seek to exalt itself or to elevate itself. He said, I, I'm seeking to know you. And so if I'm called and set apart to preach the gospel, he said, I've got to set my affections upon the right. cross of Christ. He said, I don't want to know anything else. He said, I don't want to argue where I came from or anything else. He said, my affections are strictly my attention, my devotion of my thought life is upon Jesus Christ. Man, doesn't that make it easy? Well, it does. I'll ask you a question. Do you believe that Paul the Apostle was, was saying some of those things because of how, how we talked about, first he was talking about Paul and how he was a servant, of uh, first of the uh, law. He was a studier of the law. He's saying, look, I don't... I don't still keep my mind on that old law. I still don't think about the pharisaical things. I, I've gotten rid of all those things and I stick only on Christ because I used to be learned in those things so I don't know those things. Those yes. things I forgot. These things I hold to. Is that well, let me answer it with what Paul said, Pastor. He, he, he said this in, in, in 1 Corinthians 1, 16, or in 17. He said, Christ sent me not to baptize. He said, listen guys, he said, I don't know if I've, and he prefaced that in two verses up, he said, I don't know if I've baptized any of you guys except maybe a couple folks. Yeah. And so he said, listen, I'm not even get caught, I'm not going to get caught up on the, the argument if it's uh, I'm baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus, or I'm <laughs> baptizing in a tub of water and a thimble full of water. He said, God, don't miss the point of the gospel getting caught up in those things. Right. He said, I'm going to set my face like a flint. He said, I'm not going to look to the left or to the right. He said, I was there. He said, I went through all that junk. And he said, it was totally unprofitable to me. Right. All it made of me was a liar and a murderer. 
That's who Saul was. Yeah. But when I came to Christ Jesus, he said the lights were turned on and everything changed. So that word to know is the same word in 2 Corinthians 5.11 where it says, Knowing the terror of the Lord, mm. we persuade men. Fixed on them. Yeah, when I'm fixed upon that He came to, to save men from the wrath to come, my message is going to be the cross. Yeah. My message is not going to be a pizza party. My message is not going to be Velvet Elvis. My message is not going to be have your best life now. My message is not going to be the purpose-driven life. My message is going to be Christ Jesus and Him crucified because I know the terror of the Lord. I know that it's a fearful thing to the fall in the hands of a living God. And if I want to keep people from falling into an eternal hell, if I want to do like, 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 like Charles Spurgeon said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. Let them go with our arms around their knees, let no one go there unwarned or unprayed for, that the only yes. thing that has the power to deliver a lost soul from a, from, a, from a sinner's hell is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that will draw men to repentance. Mm. But I've got to know that. I've got to fix my affections upon them things. He said in Ephesians 1, 17-19, He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. There's that, that, that apostolic voice and in the knowledge of Him that the eyes of your understanding uh, 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 being enlightened that you may know that you may know Him that you may have that affection what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance is and in the saints. And He says, What is the exceedingly greatness of His power to us who believe according to the workings of His mighty power? He said, That you may know. He said, That you might do the, those things. It's also in, in Revelation 4, 1 and 2. And John on the Isle of Patmos, given the revelation, he said, he said, after this, he said, I looked. That word no is translated looked Look. here. Okay. He said, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And so if I want to see the door of heaven open, if I want to get a glimpse of heaven, brother, it's, it only comes through preaching the cross of Calvary. Amen. It, it comes through, through preaching Him. And he said immediately there that he was, he was in the, the good news. So that good news is that gospel of the kingdom that he was called into. Guys, we're going to close out today. We're coming to the end of our our, our uh, today's uh, service in uh, today's class. And I may touch on just that a little bit more tomorrow in, in just a, uh, as we kind of launch into the next verse. But guys, listen. We're, we're called. We're set apart. We're, we're the doulos. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been given such a high calling of God and such a responsibility to allow God to establish parameters through His Word that are going to literally usher you in to, to see and to do and to know the things that God has called you to do. Amen. We're going to close the prayer. Pastor, why don't you uh, pray and, and we'll release you guys and we'll be looking for you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock uh, Eastern time from 9 to 10. We'll be here right back in the book of Romans believing God is going to be, continue to give us a greater revelation Amen. of His Word. Pastor. Father, we just thank You. We thank You in the name of Jesus for the, this time, Lord God, in Your presence, this time, Lord, to just hear of Your Word, God. We thank You, God. What, a, what an awesome thing that You've separated us to preach the cross, Lord God, that, that many people, Lord God, have had this opportunity through the years, Lord God. Lord, I would say even through, through centuries, Lord God. And Lord, that You would choose us in this day, in this hour, to carry the Word, to, to finish the work of preaching the Gospel. I thank You that You've anointed us, Lord God, for this hour, Lord God. That You said that You would give us the Holy Spirit to be that witness, Lord God. We thank You for that. Now, Lord God, I pray that this, these classes, God, these time would create an unquenchable thirst and a hunger for, your, for knowing You and Your Word, Lord God. I pray that it's honest, Lord God. I pray for everyone that has to go to work, Lord God. Everyone that this morning, Lord God, that's having to, to, to go out, Lord God. I pray that the, the teaching will just stay in them, Lord God. That they've 
got to get the I can't help us. They can't wait to get home to rip open the Word of God to just begin to pour more of that Word of God in themselves. God, I pray for revelation, Lord God, that their minds will be open, Lord God, and that even as they're working or they're going throughout the day, Lord God, things will just begin to pop in their spirit and their mind and go, oh man, I'm, I'm getting this. This is, this is awesome, Lord. You're beginning to pour this in me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring those things to us. God, give us a, 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 such a desire, Lord God, to breathe your breath, Lord God, to yes. know you, Come Lord on. God. Give us such a desire to leave everything behind, Lord God, just to bind ourselves affixed to you, Lord God, to find ourselves holding, a, grabbing a hold of the cross, even even like a, like a, holding on to something, Lord God, like preser- like a life preserver, Lord God, and we don't want to slip. From that life preserver. We just want to hold on to you, Lord God. If we have to hold on like Jacob, Lord God, we're going to do it, Lord God. We just want to hold to you. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Tomorrow morning we're going to, we're going to start off with uh, Romans uh, 1 2. Uh, verse 2 says, Which he had promised before by his prophets in the Holy Spirit. We're going to be dealing with that. I encourage you to read that, get that in your heart, and I will see you tomorrow morning. God bless Amen. you and have God a great day in Jesus. Amen. Yeah.